Welcome back to Hand Craftsmanship in the Digital Age, conversations about work with people who think with their hands. This is episode 3.2, uh, another, another housekeeping episode and follow-up to the interview with Tim Sams. If you're the kind of person who pays attention to small details, you'll have noticed that perhaps episode 3.1 should have followed episode 2, but it was called episode 3 when I made it. And you would be correct. I've been making these slightly out of order because I'm trying to put together a bit of a storyline and um, you're seeing the editorial process in real time. So this episode 3.2 is a follow-up to Tim Sam's interview in which I'll try to address a major issue which we did not get to and that's the question of the digital age and the role that handcrafts play now that we really don't need them anymore, so to speak. After the interview, Tim went and listened to that short episode and then replied by email, and I'll read his reply, or rather read from it. Tim writes, I think your thesis has grand importance. Thank you, Tim. But it's not the only lens for me regarding flourishing, but it's important enough to be mined out deep like you're doing here. My point of view is that it is the mind I bring to whatever it is I am doing that determines whether I flourish or not. That whether I'm using my hands and back, arms and legs to build things as a carpenter, or bang out on a keyboard a strategy to help my team significantly impact our market and reward us financially, it is the mind that I bring to it that matters most. That mind is about remaining curious, challenging assumptions, and so on. The anxiety of life, which is resident in both vocations I mentioned, and which is inevitable, has often been seen as the thing that robs us of flourishing. But it's like a sharp tool. It's information, and it's evolutionarily there to give us information. Much like a tool can be used to stab my hand or cut a mortise, so I have a choice with how to use it. I think there are things like that in all vocations, i.e. in carpentry you literally have tools that can harm you. But in the office world, you have anxiety and ego, which can serve as sharp tools that can either help you or hurt you. End quotation. There's an awful lot packed into Tim's email, and I'm half inclined to call him back up and create another episode addressing specifically this. But I hope these questions get answered indirectly through all of the discussions of what we do, how we go about it, why we've chosen it in our lives, and addressing it head-on is only one of many ways to answer the question. Tim's observations are so much more than simply bringing a positive attitude to whatever you do. He's speaking of a serenity that I believe is earned, is not so easy to achieve, that I don't think comes easily to any of us. The question for me is, where does that good mind come from that remains curious and challenges assumptions and problem-solves and works for and with people does that come from some other place that we bring to our work, or does it come out of our work? And is it specific kinds of work that let us problem-solve and remain curious and find that sense of meaningful purpose that I think is the primary ingredient of our happiness or a sense of thriving in life? Tim's thoughts on anxiety, I think, are very helpful. It is a tool. It's an evolutionary tool telling us something. When we're anxious in our work or in any situation, when we simply try to make it go away, we're simply not listening to the information. What are we being told by that anxiety? I'd want to explore with Tim whether it's the only thing 
that prevents us from flourishing or thriving. They might not want to include depression among the greater impediments toward thriving in life. And I'd be curious to hear how Tim uses anxiety to guide him, well, away from it. What does he get anxious about? And once he's able to identify the source, how does he manage it? And if my theory is correct, I think he would have had less anxiety working as a carpenter, or should have. I mean, of course, there are always so many other influencing factors to our sense of thriving in life. If he had been paid poorly, working with a crummy crew, all of that can produce unhappiness. But if he did find a place to thrive as a carpenter for that time, did that experience then translate into his office work? Did he take an emotional and cognitive skill set learned from handwork into the office? Did he learn tangible thoughtful making and translate its structure to the white collar world of words? I think there are some hints of that, the interview with Tim. Not to analyze him, I don't want to do that to any of uh, the uh, people that I interview. I want their words to stand on their own and have you come to your conclusions about what they have to say, what, what insights they have that speak to your work life and where you find thriving or where you don't find thriving. In other housekeeping, uh, I have to admit that I've lost the interview with Lauren and Alex. I think I hit play rather than record, which is really unfortunate. Their perspective is quite insightful, but from the perspective of a couple who have not worked with their hands in their lives, or as they would think, because I believe we all do, uh, their professions in the, in the restaurant world and in business and other things have left them with a sense that no, they don't have a real engagement with the objects of their lives, they don't know how things work, uh, and they don't really, at least in Alex's case, he doesn't really have a desire to learn. Uh, Lauren was different uh, in that she expressed a sense of, yes, she is curious how the vacuum cleaner works, and when it doesn't, she'd love to be able to fix it or change a light sconce on the wall, uh, and simply said she never had the opportunity. No one ever taught her. If I can't get them to repeat the interview, uh, then I will need to find someone, anyone, to speak to that. For that's precisely the perspective on handwork and creating and being creative and making things, and that engagement with the objects of our lives that I want to explore and find a way out of. I think our curiosity is natural and can only be pushed away and out of us through learning that it isn't what we should. For Alex, that seemed to be the case. He grew up in a middle-class family and trades were for tradesmen. Uh, they were not for him or his family. Uh, if he needed, if they needed something fixed in the house, they called someone. It wasn't a source of curiosity or interest to learn how it worked or to do it themselves. Why that is, though, that's for them to say, and I hope to get them back on the phone soon for <laughs> a recorded interview. The third and last bit of housekeeping. Well, I've forgotten it. Whatever it was, it could not have been that important, or it was really important, and I'm just getting of that age. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. And I hope these discussions, if they're not completely understandable, I think Tim used the word eudaimonia, uh, worthwhile looking up. 
and we may have used a fair amount of trade jargon here and there without even realizing we were using it. Perhaps those are questions you can send me. I think you can send me questions. I am still learning this podcast thing and don't know where to look for them, but I will look for them. So thank you again and hope you're enjoying. All best.